Well, so I am excited to talk to you guys tonight about calling. Um, this is a topic that comes up quite a bit. As a college pastor, one of the questions I probably hear most as I'm spending time with college students, as I'm spending time with people who are getting ready to college, as I sit down and have coffee with people, it is what is God calling me to do? Right? What is God calling me to do? What's his plan for my life? I hear this question over and over and over. And I think in part, it's quite common to reach a place when you're young and you're a young adult and you begin to realize, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And that can be really overwhelming, right? Because like you go through elementary school and, and you finish that and then you go through middle school and you finish that and you go through high school and you finish that and you kind of had to do all of those, you know, um, otherwise like you get in trouble for like not doing school, right? So you, so you had to do all those and hopefully you get into a good college because you worked hard so you end up like the U of M right? And then you realize you've got to come to some kind of conclusion. You've got to come to some kind of conclusion about what you're going to do with yourself in your life. And you meet people on campus, and those of you guys that helped us work, like the RSO fair, right? Like, what do you ask every single person you meet? Hey, what's your name? What's your major? Right? And then what I really like to ask people is like, what do you want to be when you grow up? In my opinion, I'm still not grown up, okay? But like, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or like, they say they're major, and I'm like, what do you want to do with that? Like, what's the dream job, right? But it's like, that's what we ask each other. Um, you know, I say, well, you hope to study, or like, as you get a little bit further in college, we're like, what are you going to do after graduation? And uh, those few of you guys that have graduated from undergrad staff, you know how horrifying that question is, because you're like, I don't know. I don't know, I got this degree. If you don't have the job lined up yet, it gets kind of scary, right? Um, but we get those questions all the time. And often we, if we're really honest with ourselves, end up thinking something like this on the inside. We're like, well, I hope to do this when I graduate. Or I think I might like this major, right? Or sometimes we hit, do I really want to do this with the rest of my life? Yeah. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. So figuring out what we want to do is big, and it can be a bit daunting, and often we feel like it is so permanent. Like we feel like if I do this major and I do this thing and I start this job, then I'm like stuck there forever, and we have a little bit of like existential crisis. Um, and as we talked about the first few weeks, about the kind of community we pray Chi Alpha will be and our mission on campus and in the world, we feel like it's also just important to understand what it means to be called by God as a follower of Christ. What does it mean to be called by Jesus, right? Um, so this question about calling, like I said, comes up quite a lot, especially when you're a college pastor, but it's not just that, because you guys, like, I go to church and I, like, hang out with the other ladies that are more seasoned like me, and they're still like, I don't know if this is what I want to do forever, or, like, because that's, that's called a midlife crisis, right? Uh, like, you know, and then, like, sometimes you meet people, and, like, they're in their 60s. I'm not there yet, praise the Lord. But, like, you know, and they still are like, man, I wasn't happy. So you, like, meet people that are, like, much older, and they, like, early retire and completely switch paths, or they just, like, quit one job and, like, start something new, or they might be in class with you, right? It's real fun when you go to college as an adult. I did my master's, like, after I had kids, 
and then I was like that lady that answers all the questions that the <laughs> professor asks, because all of a sudden you're like, I choose to be here, right? Um, but, but we really think that it's kind of permanent, whatever we do, and this question of calling comes up a lot, and I think it's because deep down we know we don't really have a clue, most of us. Some of you do, some of you guys are together. But most of us don't have a clue what we wanna do forever, so we better ask God. And asking God's opinion is a really good thing. Like, you should always ask God's opinion. If you don't know what to do, like, stop and pray and, and be like, Jesus, what should I do? Okay, that's always good. However, if we don't understand what it is to be called by Jesus, we're going to misunderstand our calling, which is like what might God might be leading us to do. Often we get the cart before the horse, so to speak, and we want God to speak and tell us what to do, and then we're going to go running an all-out sprint towards what we think that means, right? We're like, God, tell me what I'm, tell me what I'm supposed to do, and then like we hear something from the Lord, and we're like, Oh, and like, you guys, I cannot tell you how many times God has spoken something to me, and I, like, then added what I thought that should look like, and we do it, and we don't realize we're doing it, but like, so I took off in that direction, and every door closed in my face, and like, God, did you speak to me? Yes, he did, but then I, like, added some stuff and, like, went off, and I didn't pause and be like, how do you want me to get there? Who do you want me to be when I arrive, right? And so, like, we get the cart before the horse, um... And so we don't pause and kind of figure out what it is just to be called to Jesus, just to be called by him. We first must understand the general call of God before we can rush into the specifics of what he would have us do with our lives, our years in college, even our next few weeks or the next few days. See, there are times when God calls us to do some very extraordinary things for him, like walk on water things or pray for the blind to see things. Or go to a foreign land, like we just prayed, and, and reach people that don't know Jesus and share the gospel with them. But most of the time, all of the time, right, the big thing that God is calling us to is himself. First and foremost, to himself. So as I was preparing for this message. Honestly, I was struggling because Matt gave me the topic, right, because he's a man. He's the man in charge of, like, what we teach him here. And that's good because he loves the Bible and he keeps everything under that. But he gave me the topic, and I was really struggling because he wasn't like, and you have to preach from this passage. You have to do this. And I was like, man, Lord, like, what is a good passage to talk about calling? Um, and there are several. If you open your Bible, there are several passages where you read about God calling someone to do something, which is usually the passages we go to in a message like this. Like we read about Moses or Isaiah or Gideon or Mary. And as we talk about calling, I'm betting what some of you guys want to hear, right, is some scripture that says something along the lines of, hey, Christian, do this or that, and then God will show you the specific plan he has for your life down to the exact office where you'll be a CEO and the person you'll marry, and of course, the dress or tux if you're a guy that you're going to wear at that wedding. The problem is, that verse is not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not there. I read it, I looked, it didn't, it didn't show up. Um, so that verse doesn't exist. And so I found like when I'm like, I really wish there was something in the Bible. And it is not like necessarily addressed the way I want it to be addressed, right? Because sometimes we're like, God, speak to me. But God, please speak this to me. Right? And you're like, come on, God. <laughs> um, and, and then you open the Bible and it's not there, right? 
Um, the absolute very best thing when I'm confused over where to start in figuring out an issue or how to react to something or what God thinks about a topic, the absolute best reference we have is Jesus. Absolute best reference. What I mean is this. We have the Gospels. We have an example of God wrapped in human flesh who lived among us, and we can go and read what Jesus would actually do. And if Jesus would do it, or if Jesus would say it, y'all, it's good enough for me. So tonight, we're going to look at what Jesus said. And this is really fun because he said it quite often. Quite often. He said this. He said, follow me. Whole thing. You can memorize it tonight. Like tonight, y'all, you memorized a scripture. You memorized a few of them. I can give you the addresses, right? He said, follow me. In Matthew 4.19, he said, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. In Matthew 8.22, Jesus told him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. In Matthew 9.9, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew 10.38, it says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. In Matthew 16.24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their crosses, and follow me. You're getting it. You're getting it. Yeah. Matthew 19.21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. Follow me. That's right. That's right. And that last one implies we aren't to fixate on what Jesus is calling other people to do. This is like one of my favorite, favorite. Um, oh, no, I skipped it. Y'all, one more. I skipped it. I'm like jumping ahead. Um, John 21, 21 through 22. This is when Peter asked Jesus about what he was calling John to do. So Peter's having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, this is what's in your future. And then John apparently walks by, and Peter's like, hey, what about him? What are you calling him to do? So this is Jesus. This is what he says. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Basically, that's not your business. <laughs> and then he says, as for you, follow me. follow me, right? As for you, follow me. So that one's implying that we're not supposed to fixate on other people's callings, right? We're supposed to follow Jesus ourselves and do what he's calling us to do, right? So as you, as you like understand the general call of God and he starts to speak more specifically about your life, you're not supposed to be like, well, what, what are they doing? You know, like just do you as God has told you to do, right? And follow him. Um, so Jesus said, follow me. What does he mean by this? Because like I already said, like y'all, sometimes we like hear one thing and then we're like, I think this means this for me. And we like run off in that direction. So what does he mean by this? So to be really simple, think about taking a walk with someone who knows where they're going and you don't know the way yourself. Like say Saturday, you're like, I want to go to the Tigers game with Kai Alpha, right? But I have no idea where to catch this bus. This is real life stuff, right? But then Amelia knows where to catch the bus. We found out earlier because she was explaining things, right? And so you call up Amelia and you're like, where can I meet you that I know? And then Amelia is like, we will go meet the bus together. And you follow her, right? And 
So basically, it's like you walk in step with her, you do what she's doing, and you arrive at the destination to go see the football game. It sounds really simple, um, but like that's what it is to follow. It's just to let somebody else lead and go where they're going, right? And then the Greek word for follow in all of these verses, it literally means this. It's deep. Come here. Jesus, follow me. He's like, come here. Come with me. Um, so what Jesus is calling us to literally is himself when he says follow me. He's literally calling us to himself. He's calling us to be with him, learn from him, sit with him, and become more like him. See, sometimes we pray and we tell God that we want to know what he's calling us to do. But what we really mean is we want to know what our major should be or whom we should date. Or maybe even we want to know what to do at this moment or next weekend and have a solid reason to give for doing it. Anybody ever been there? Um, here's the thing with that, though. God doesn't change. So here's one thing. If you already prayed about it and God, you feel like you got an answer, he's not going to change his mind. And also, we shouldn't have to put his name on things just to justify doing what we want to do. We've got to be really, really careful with that. Um, here's a useful quote from a preacher that I really admire. He said this. As Christians, we should be very selective, very careful about when we play the God card. You know what I mean, don't you? God told me this. God told me that. Many times we discredit God by using him as an excuse for our own will or opinion. That is not spiritual understanding, and it's not the will of God. So we want to be really careful about God saying, like, God's calling me to do this. Or God, you know, we just we want to be really careful that we only say that when we really feel like God has spoken. And we don't ever say that to justify doing what we want to do. Because um, then that's not God. That's Jackie. And like, don't follow Jackie. <laughs> right? Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm like, that, that dude was like a follower. But like, I'm like, you know, follow me like, hopefully 60, 70% of the time. But also, I can be a goofball. I can start cutting up and being humorous. And then I'm like, oh, I got to stop. You know, like, follow Jesus. Okay, hopefully we're running in the same direction side by side, but like follow Jesus, follow him, don't follow Jackie. Um, the truth is we'll never be able to truly discern what he's telling us if we aren't already following him and obeying him. If we jump to try and get to our dream job without truly getting to know Jesus, we've entirely missed the point. Okay, we've entirely missed the point. And we won't be who we need to be we won't be ready for what he's trying to have us step into if we haven't learned to follow him. We've missed the general call of God and jumped straight to asking for his specific will in our life. And y'all, we, we do this all the time. I'm guilty of it too. But so many times we're like, God, speak to me what you want me to. And, and we miss just following him. And really, as we follow him, we end up where he has for us to be. So here's a food story. A food story, okay. This is like a Jackie fun story because when things are heavy, I gotta tell a silly story. Um, and that's it. But so several years ago, okay, I wanted to do something nice for my mom and she was sick and I was probably like 14 or 15 years old. And she was so sick, she was on medicine and like it was kind of doing something to her appetite. So she wasn't eating much. So I was like, well, I'm gonna cook her her favorite meal. So I like through a bunch of sneaky conversations, I'm like, what, you know, like what's your favorite thing you've 
you've ever had in like the past few years. Like if you could go to any restaurant, where would you go? Anyway, she says she would love some lasagna, okay? And I'm like, lasagna, yeah, that's good. So I call up my aunt, who is a fantastic cook, and I'm like, okay, Aunt Debbie, how do I make lasagna? And like, so she's on the phone from Florida and she's explaining, cause she makes the good lasagna in our family. Matt's mom makes the good lasagna in his side of the family. My Aunt Debbie makes the good side of lasagna in my family up until I was 15. So I called Aunt Debbie and like she, it's still really good. They're just both different and amazing. Um, she, I call her and she like gives me the steps, right? And so I'm writing them down. And, and she's like, okay, do you understand? I'm like, yeah, 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 I got it. I wrote them down, scribbled them real fast, and I was like, okay, thank you. I'll let you know how she likes it, okay? So I start to follow the steps. And, like, I scribbled it really fast because I'm, like, I'm excited. Y'all know how it is. Like, you're going to do something for somebody, you're excited, and you're like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be fun. My mom's going to enjoy it. It's going to make her happy. Like, it's going to make things good. So I kind of, like, you know, rush the conversation, and then like, I get my dad to drive me to Kroger, and I buy all this stuff, and I come home, and I kind of skim the directions. You guys, I, I can cook now, but like, I've gotta be honest, I still, like, I'm like, mm, this probably says, because nobody has time to read an entire life story before they get to like the ingredients, you know? So I kind of like, hurry the process, you know, and it's like, okay, you're gonna wanna lay the noodles in the pan, for like, to start your first layer. So I just straight up, Right? I like, take the noodles. You see where this is going? Some of you guys have been in the kitchen before, right? And I like lay them in the pan. I lay them in the pan. And, uh, you know, so I, then I follow all the other steps because I was like, okay, that first one was real easy. You know? And so then it's like, it's got cute crisscrosses, and I'm like, oh, this is going to look so good. She's going to be so impressed. Cam's like, fine. And, and I stick that thing in the oven, and it cooks, and it smells delicious. Because if you guys have ever smelled lasagna baking, oh, my goodness. Like, it's so good. So it smells delicious, and I pull it out, and I go get my mom from the bedroom, and I'm like, I made you lunch, right? And I, I cut into the lasagna, and I hear, like, the... <laughs> That's not right. And um, and so like, but I cut through it because I'm like, it's good, it's good. I did, I did it. Like, and then I like blame Ann W. I'm like, I followed her instructions. I did not. <laughs> and it's still like, every time I like cut through it. Uh, and so I I give my mom this lasagna, who's not feeling well, <laughs> and she graciously eats about four bites. <laughs> Before she goes, Jackie, what did you do? Well, she called me Jacqueline, so she's like, Jacqueline, what did you do? Um, and, and so we start to like look at the lasagna, compare it to the recipe, and y'all, I skipped a really important step at the very beginning. Right? What was it? Boil the noodles. Boil the noodles. So I, I skipped a step, and we had crunchy lasagna. And then like, I just wasted a whole lot of money. So we tried to eat it again the next day, and it was not any better. So then I really just wasted the money, and we threw it out. But I had crunchy lasagna, and that's what I fed my mom. And so all of this to say, it's important not to skip over what's essential, right? It's really important not to skip over what's essential. Um, 
And when we do the essential thing of following Christ and getting to know him, then we are in the best possible position for him to reveal more to us about the specific ways he wants to use us in the world he created. So let's look at the broader context of that first follow me verse that we read in Matthew 14, or 4, 18 through 20. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so this is where Jesus first calls Peter. And we read that they got up and they followed him. And if we continue reading the Gospels, we'll see that they continue to follow Jesus. And they followed him closely for three years, went everywhere he went, did what he did, heard what he said. Right? Like they, they did life with Jesus. Now, sometime later, Jesus speaks to Peter more specifically about how he's going to use him. And in Matthew 16, verse 17 and 19, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here, after Peter's been following Jesus for a while, he speaks more specifically about how God plans to use Peter as an individual. And what does Peter do when he hears this? This is super important. What does Peter do when he, when he hears this? He keeps following Jesus. He just keeps following him. I bet you guys, when Peter heard this, he still did not understand. Like, I bet when Jesus said this to Peter, he could never have foreseen the day of Pentecost that we read about in the book of Acts and the tongues of fire and the thousands of people putting their faith in Christ and the start of the early church and the fact that he would be the person basically as point guy for that. I guarantee you when Jesus spoke this to him, he was not like downloaded with a vision of what that would be. He just heard what Jesus said and he continued to follow and then like he ended up in that place, right? And he was ready when he got there. So at the point Peter heard Jesus say this, he was still the guy who fled when Jesus got arrested because he was afraid. But by the time Pentecost actually came, he was ready for what God had uniquely called him to do. See, it's in following that we become the person God can use in the places he specifically places us. Really, as far as I can tell from Jesus' life and words, the calling that he has for us is this. It's really simple, and you guys, this is like our family motto. Like, really, this is, this is something like Drain Family lives by. It's to love God, like to abide, to love God, and to love people. And to do those things really well. To love God well. And Matt's already said this, right, in another message. And love people well. If we don't do this, if we don't live this life, even if we end up doing the very, like, Thing we're supposed to do, like that position, that job, or marry the person, or whatever, we won't be the person that God's called us to be in that place, because we won't be living for him, we won't be loving well, thus we won't be who we need to be in that place. So even if we achieve the position, if we're not loving God well, we're not loving people well, we're not going to be the person we're supposed to be there, right? And we're going to kind of have missed the point we're going to miss the essential thing and we'll be like crunchy lasagna. We desire to know the details when God's desire is for us to know him. 
Um, think about that story in John 10, and if it's not fresh in your mind, I encourage you to read it later. Um, it's about Mary and Martha. And it says, Martha was upset over all the details, and Mary was commended for sitting at Jesus' feet, and he said she was doing the one thing that mattered most. So Martha's all upset, and she's like, Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. I'm trying to put this party together for you. And she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching, and Jesus says, Mary, who's sitting at my feet listening, she's doing the one thing that matters most. And so many times, you guys, we're like Martha. Like, we get caught up in the details. And we're like, how do I do this? And who am I going to be? And what shirt will I wear when I achieve that job? You know, like, y'all, I'm a girl. That's what, how we think. But we're missing the thing that matters most. And why does it matter that we know Jesus? Who is Jesus that we need to know him in order for us to determine the whole course of our lives. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. You're like, why would I why would I do that? Well, he's the son of God who was born of a virgin, which was Mary's specific call. We mentioned her earlier. Um, he lived a sinless life, so he's the only one who ever walked this earth and did it right. He was good. He didn't mess things up. Probably means that he knows something that we don't, or at least I don't. He worked miracles and raised the dead. Thus, he knows how to do ministry better than me. He was killed, so he's faced the worst of the worst that life can offer us. And then he rose three days later, conquering sin, death, and the grave, so that we could be made right with God through him. It means he's powerful, and he endured a whole lot for you and me to keep us from what we deserve as sinners, which is hell and separation from God, and make a way for us to be with God forever in heaven, which heaven is literally to be in God's presence forever. So ultimately, he's calling us to be with him forever and ever, right? I'd say he's not only worth knowing, he's the only one who's ever actually had his stuff together, and it makes him the one I wanna follow, right? Jesus really, when we look at his life, he's the only one that ever was together. The rest of us might try to look that way, but Jesus actually did it. And in John 15, four through nine, Jesus says this. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. And if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So Jesus is saying, come to me, be with me, stay with me, stay right by my side, and I will show you how to live. I'll show you how to live. And then he goes on to say this in, at the end of John 15 and verse 7, he, sa he says, verse 17, sorry, slow down. He says, this is my command, love each other. So this is God's call on our lives always. It may not be a specific call of what he's going to have you do as a job or who he's going to have you marry or where he's going to have you live in the world. But his call on our lives always is first to love him and to love others well. If we jump the gun, if we rush out asking him what future plans he has for us before we start following him and obeying him, we'll end up with our lives looking like crunchy lasagna. We'll have missed the point if we do arrive at the plan 
we won't be ready to be the person God needs us to be in that place. I know we all want to know God's plans for our future, right? Um, but he's, he's made this calling like crystal clear for us. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And until we follow Jesus and come to him and spend time with him and learn to obey him in the super simple call. So you guys, is this hard to remember? No, it's super simple. Until we do that, we won't be in the position to receive the more specific things he has for us. And I hope that we do. Because you guys, there are things that you guys in this room will do that like I can never do, Matt can never do. There are people you will reach that we can never reach. Right? God has a specific and very beautiful plan for your life. But we got to get the first thing first, right? The main thing, the main thing. And that's God's will for you. And it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus to know him. So I want to take a moment and pray. Um, we're going to pray for those, like, if you're here and you're like, man, I haven't trusted Jesus as my Savior. I don't really understand. It was a big deal, but I'm understanding that now. We want to have a moment to respond to that. And then we're going to have, like, some further instructions to process. So you guys will just take a second. We'll just bow our heads. Um, Lord, you see every person here, every heart, every life. And God, I thank you so much that you love them, so much you died, and you rose again so that we could be free and we could know you, and we could, um, God, be a part of this simple calling just to come to you and to follow you. And Lord, I pray that you would just draw hearts and lives to you in a greater way tonight. And so if there's anybody in here um, and you say, you know, I need to know Jesus as my Savior, would you just raise your hand? Y'all don't like poke around and look around at y'all. But if you say, I need to know Jesus, would you raise your hand? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I just encourage you guys to pray um, along with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life so that I could be forgiven my sins and I could know you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys that prayed that, that's a really important prayer. And I encourage you to get with like your life group leader or get with like one of the staff and, and process that. Because like praying to receive Jesus to your Lord and Savior, like that's the beginning of an amazing relationship with God. Amazing. So if, if you pray that, I encourage you to like tell somebody and process that and continue growing. Um, so the rest of our response time, we prayed earlier in pairs, right? So I encourage you, don't move yet, like here and then move, cool. Um, so I encourage you, your pair, to find another pair so that two plus two equals four. Yes. Um, not 22. Four. Uh, 22 will take a long time. So get in groups of four, and we have these um, questions to discuss. And so the first one is, are you making crunchy lasagna? So are you putting anything in place of following Jesus? Are you making anything else a bigger priority? The second one, what is one area of your life that God's calling you to just come to him with? And the third one, how is God challenging you to abide in him, to get to know him more? And so we're just going to take a few minutes in our groups of four, and I encourage you guys just to take time 
um, to answer these and then pray for each other.